0: We can turn to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16. We're going to take a little break from Ephesians. We'll pick back up where we left off in verse 5 um, after Easter. Easter's two weeks away. Next week, I'll be here, but Landon Ditto is actually going to be speaking in class because I'll be out of town at a conference all week. And um, I've been wanting to get him in here for about a year, and we decided that this next week would be good. So if you've never heard Landon, uh, I think you will much like it. So some of you guys are in his grace group, but anyway, I hope you'll come for that. This week, I want to take a look at. Um, Proverbs 16, verse 9. So follow as I read. It's a pretty familiar passage. Proverbs 16, verse 9. This is the Word of God. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Last week, we talked about God's sovereignty and our responsibility. Uh, God is 100% the sovereign Lord of the universe. As R.C. Sproul has said, there's not one maverick molecule in the universe that's out from under his control. Last week, we were talking about sovereignty and responsibility in terms of living out our salvation. God is 100% sovereign in salvation. Salvation is all from the Lord, but God's sovereignty does not negate the responsibility that we have to live out our salvation. God is 100% sovereign. We are 100% responsible. Here in Proverbs sixteen nine, we see this sovereignty-responsibility paradigm again, um, God is sovereignly directing our steps as we make and execute plans. So there's responsibility on our part to make plans and to execute them. And he is sovereignly uh, guiding our steps. This is always happening, whether we realize it or not. But um, God has given me a glimpse of this in my own life just yesterday. And I thought that y'all might like to hear about it. Um... The men's retreat was this weekend, and uh, what I'm going to tell you has to do with my making plans and attempting to execute plans for the men's retreat and the Lord establishing my steps. And my hope is uh, that this will simply serve as a good illustration of this passage, maybe that you can remember uh, for some time. So, last year's retreat was outstanding. I would even say legendary because I think that men, most men that were there, will remember uh, what Dr. Young said last year at the retreat for years to come. It was the first time that we had been back to the country place in a few years, but because it went so well, we at least knew we wanted to go back this year. Other than that, though, it was pretty much a blank slate. That's kind of the way that these things work, you know, and really it's kind of a problem if something goes well because now there's that expectation. So what's next year going to be like? Um, We didn't know who was going to speak. What are they going to talk about? Those things were unknown to me. Last year's retreat was in April. So sometime in May or June, I started thinking about um, this year's retreat, and those unknowns really started to weigh on me have to find a speaker what are they going to talk about around that time I had an idea that we could do a retreat on prayer Uh, my favorite book on prayer is called a praying life by Paul Miller if you haven't read it I really think you should Um, so I thought well maybe we could get Paul Miller to come to speak on a praying life he does these a praying life seminars and um, I remember coming out of my office and running that by Jim Umloff to see whether he thought that would be a good idea. Hey, do a thing on prayer for the men. You think they would like that? He thought it was a good idea. So I started moving forward. We're going to get Paul Miller um, for the men's retreat. But I didn't get very far. He was too expensive. And his schedule was just overwhelming when I looked at it online. And so I was like, well, maybe next time or maybe never. But um, (laughs) around that time, God began burdening me about evangelism. I started thinking more and more about our responsibility as Christians to go and tell people the gospel. And then in July, my grandfather died. Some of you may remember that was especially difficult for me, um, not only because we were so close my whole life, but also because I was not sure that he was a Christian And I really struggled with the fact that I knew that I could have been more intentional in sharing the gospel with my grandfather. He died suddenly in his sleep. He was healthy. Now, ultimately, God did comfort me with the fact that he is sovereign in salvation. He will get his people. But our responsibility for evangelism, the burden increased and uh, frankly, I hope it never goes away, and I, and I don't think it will. So much so, the, the burden increased so much that I taught uh, men's breakfast. I taught you guys in here on the same thing and kind of polished it up and taught a men's breakfast on our responsibility in evangelism in November. And I still hope that the Lord would establish a culture here at this church of intentional, urgent, personal evangelism outside our walls. Um, Just frankly, I think it's something that we are weak in as a church. And by we, I mean we. I mean I am weak in intentional, urgent, personal evangelism outside our walls. So um, I hope he'll continue to convict us. I hope he'll continue to lead us in that direction. I hope he will continue to open doors for that to happen. Backing up a bit from from the thing in November, while this men's breakfast on evangelism is coming together in my heart and on paper and the plans and the communication and all that I'm still thinking about men's retreat Um, not having a speaker is pressing harder on me you know every week and it's the thing on your list that never goes away you know and the uh, the men's board decides then I meet with the men's board every other week and the men's board decides that it would be good to ask Dr. Young to speak again you know last year was great let's do it again Great idea. He said no. So it was really just like that. Uh, No, all right, moving on. Uh, So back to the drawing board again. By now it's September. The retreat inches closer. It's tightening its grip on my mind. Who am I going to look to now? Uh, Within a week or so, the idea comes to me that I should get Joe Novenson. I think that's a name that I've mentioned in here before. Joe Novenson might be my favorite preacher on the planet. Um, Tiffany and I heard him five years ago at a missions conference, and I heard him again the following year at a youth leader (coughs) training conference when I was doing youth ministry on the coast. And it may not be fair to say he's my favorite because I haven't heard him. Well, it's fair to say. Uh, I haven't heard him that much other than these couple times, but... Uh, and, in fact, he preached very similar messages on sanctification um, at that missions conference and at my training. But those messages on sanctification are some of the best messages I've ever heard in my life. And, uh, and Joe is the most humble man I've ever seen enter a pulpit. And so I just thought, you know, let's get Joe Novenson. Uh, he'll do those messages on sanctification. Joe, I know you've already done them. Just do the same thing, you know. And he would have loved to have come. Um, and I believe him when he says that. But his wife has been very sick, so much so, that uh, she's been just about completely bedridden as she was at the time that I got in touch with him. Um, I, love all, I love Joe all the more for his response to me because he did what any good man would do in that situation. He has cut commitments left and right. He's responsible to pastor his church, but he's not doing anything outside of that um, so that he can be there to take care of his wife. And to take care of the things in their life together that she's taken care of for, you know, 40 years or however long they've been together, I'm sure he probably took some of those things for granted, but she's not able to do them, so he's doing them. Joe Novenson couldn't come. And mind you, I mean, all these conversations don't happen in a day. It's communicating and getting responses and back and forth. So weeks go by. The deadline looms a little larger. A week or so later, Randy Ray comes to mind. Randy was on staff here for about 10 years. In fact, he had this position uh, before he left. He's been gone for five or more years. So I thought, you know, people haven't heard from him in quite a while. He's done a lot. He planted a church, and and he's now moved on to Jackson, Mississippi. And um, he'd probably draw quite a few people because people are familiar with him. Uh, Only problem is that Randy's wife, Sherry, was pregnant with their third child, You know, 10 years after their youngest child, Walker, which was a total surprise to them. So, uh, and she was due right around the time of the men's retreat. In fact, she had the baby like two weeks ago or something. So, Randy's out. So, it's the end of October now, and uh, the November men's breakfast is coming together quite nicely. Men's retreat is obviously not coming together, or is it? So at the end of October, I went to a preaching conference at Independent Prez here in Memphis. Uh, it was outstanding, life-changing for me. It will forever shape the way that I think about what my responsibility is uh, to you. It was led by a Reformed Baptist pastor from Alabama named Steve Lawson. If you can find Steve Lawson's stuff, you should listen to him. He's, he's wonderful. Landon, ditto, was at the conference with me. And we're reflecting on how good we thought it was. And uh, I mentioned the fact during that conversation that um, I didn't have a speaker for Men's Retreat. And he said, well, why don't you try to get Steve Lawson? I thought, great idea. Let's get Steve Lawson. So I emailed Steve telling him how much I appreciated um, the, the preaching conference and how much we would love to have him come speak at our Men's Retreat in April. He actually grew up in Memphis, and still has family here. He went to White Station and um, still has family here. So I figure we have a pretty good shot. You know, he's got family and, and all that. Except, Steve was already officiating a wedding that weekend, so no go. Now I'm really sweating it. Because obviously the men's retreat's not coming together at all. Or is it? Um, when I was at that preaching conference, which remember, was at Independent Press here in Memphis. I was wandering around in their bookstore. That's the problem with conferences. You know, the people that do them usually have books, and then they recommend these books, and you buy books that you don't read them all. And Anyway, but I was wandering around looking at all these books, and uh, I'm talking to the lady that runs the bookstore. Turns out I went to college with her son, Sean, and we know a lot of the same people, so we end up talking for a good while. Her name's Debbie. After I've been talking with Debbie for a while, in walks Lisa. Lisa is a staff member at Independent. Can't remember what she does now, but years ago, when John uh, when John Sartell was the the lead pastor, the senior pastor at Independent, he was there for 27 years. He left eight years ago. When he was there, Lisa was John's assistant. Um, I I had never met John Sartell at this point, but I was familiar with him because Jean Larue, who uh, Jean LaRue worked under Sartell at Independent until he planted a church on the Mississippi coast after Hurricane Katrina called Lanyap. Well, Lanyap was the church that I worked in when I was on the Mississippi coast, and I worked under LaRue, who worked under Sartell, and LaRue's always talking about Sartell and the major impact that he had on his life. So here I am talking with Lisa and Debbie about LaRue and about Sartell, who I've never met but I've heard of, um, in the Independent Bookstore where John used to be all the time and but he hasn't been there in years he used to be their pastor he used to work very closely with lisa by now they know that i'm a pastor at grace of and um when the conversation's over that was a really helpful conversation by the way i mean they were talking about the generational differences in work ethic and i think it's something that i see in dr young and they were saying it's the same for john sartell but just they were workers they are hard workers and uh, they were saying, not knowing anything about me, but just saying, the problem for your generation is going to be to match the work ethic of those men. Because they just work. And I think it's fair to say um, that it's a different day, it's a different generation. I so appreciated that. And I already had good thoughts about Sartell, but I thought, you know, I, I, I need to meet this guy. Well, by the end of the conversation, Lisa says, you need to meet John. Um, and i agree i'd love to meet john heard about him for years so i get his email address i email him when i walk out of the bookstore um, set up lunch at this point in my mind this has nothing to do with the men's retreat it simply has something to do with me finally meeting john sartell Um, we went to lunch it was great he's easy to talk to we both like golf we both like the university of tennessee we both like Jean larue so the first 15 minutes weren't awkward. You know, it was good. Um, I was also asking him quite a bit about his, his marriage, his life in ministry. I mean, he's almost 70 years old. And um, just a faithful marriage and ministry, and there's a lot to learn. It was a great lunch. It's the kind of meeting that sticks with you. In fact, about two weeks after the lunch, it dawns on me, John Sartell would be great for the ministry, you know probably no chance we can get him at this point you know we're running out of time and uh, by now it's january 17 people have said no and uh maybe we found sartell just in the nick of time so i called him up see if he could do it of course he said yes john is the one that spoke on our men's retreat this weekend but there's more um it's now the end of february you know the retreat was this weekend so we're running out of time I know that Sartell's speaking, but I have no idea what he's speaking about. And really, that's kind of my responsibility to, like, give him some direction, you know. So what do you want me to speak about? Uh, I have no idea. We go to lunch to set up what he's going to speak about, and I'm driving in having no idea what he's going to speak about. Um, I had zero clarity, and there's just nothing you can do about that. I mean, I didn't know. So while we're there, he tells me this amazing story about the providence of God directing a series of events. It involves Lauren Roberts, who's a professional golfer. It was just this cool story over a long period of time where God directs these events to where John is able to share the gospel with the golf pro of the club that he played at um, when this guy was on his deathbed and the guy received Christ. And it was just... One of those stories like the providence of God so clearly on display. And um, that detail is kind of fun to think about as I sit up here and talk about the providence of God and directing my steps for the men's retreat. It was like the Lord was tuning me in that day in late February to the fact of his providence and that he was at work in the details of what we were doing. So uh, John also asked me at that lunch if there was anything that had been on my heart for our men I told him that I had a real burden this year for intentional, urgent, personal evangelism. And I did a men's breakfast on calling men to that responsibility. Um, I said a couple other things I don't really remember. And after a couple minutes, he said, have you all done anything recently on prayer? No, I thought, but that would be great. He then goes on to explain that it will be on the significance of prayer from the angle of the priesthood of believers and in fact prayer can be very evangelistic so it will tie right in to what has been on my heart this year and what they've been hearing sounded great I left the lunch more details nailed down and then God reminds me of that day back in May almost a year ago where I had a thought that we should do a men's retreat on prayer. Maybe we should get Paul Miller. Well, Paul Miller obviously wasn't the guy for the retreat, but it was a retreat on prayer. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Another interesting detail, kind of an aside, maybe not, but uh, Tiffany and I went to... A praying life conference led by Paul Miller at Independent Press just a couple years, uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. I'm sorry. Not years, not weeks, months. <laughs> so, Independent Press, where John Sartell pastored for 27 years. Independent Press, where a couple months before I was in the bookstore talking to Debbie and Lisa about life and ministry, and she recommended that I should meet Sartell. So, Paul Miller found his way into the story anyway. Um, good stuff. Anyway, I thought the, the retreat this weekend was excellent. Um, John Sartell was powerful. The, the Lord is at work. He preached on prayer like I would say that most of us have never thought about it. Uh, I'd venture to say that most men in this room, most people in this room, have never thought about it from those angles. It should be posted on the app soon, and I would, man or not, I would recommend that you listen to it. Um, but back up a little bit uh, to a month or so ago, In my plans for the men's retreat, I've now got a speaker, and I now know what he's speaking about. Um, One of the only things that I don't know is how am I going to close it out. Last year, to close out the men's retreat, I told the story that many of you have heard of uh, my friend Billy, who's in prison, and how in God's providence, I met Billy when I lived on the coast, and about how Billy's one of the godliest men I know, and about how Billy got transferred to this prison in Corinth, Mississippi, not far from here after we moved to Memphis, about how Billy married Connie. He met and married Connie uh, after he got transferred to Corinth while he's still in prison, and she's not in prison, and they're both Christians, and Billy had been praying for a wife for months. And then a friend of mine from high school, Dan, who was in another Mississippi prison, who I had heard wasn't doing well and, and who whenever I visited Billy I thought of because I don't know that many people in prison and Dan's in prison. I was visiting Billy one day right before the men's retreat last year. I had a heavy heart about Dan. I was telling Billy about Dan because I knew that Dan would pray for him. And then I found out in the course of that conversation that Dan had just been transferred to Corinth and was Billy's roommate. It's really a remarkable story. If... Uh, <laughs> If you'd like to hear that in more detail it's on the app under 20s and 30s titled wow <laughs> anyway that's how i closed the retreat last year that's a tough act to follow that's the most incredible thing that i've ever seen and been a part of um, so how am i going to re- finish the retreat this year well a couple few weeks ago i decided i'll finish the retreat with my testimony there are a lot of guys that were there that haven't heard my testimony Most of you in here have heard my testimony. Um, And if you have, some of you have heard it 12 times. But you may remember that um, I usually always tell my testimony in the context of John chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 36. In John 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And it's thought that Jesus had in his mind this passage from Ezekiel 36 when he said that. Regardless of if he had that in his mind or not. Ezekiel 36 is about the new birth. It's about being born again. God takes our heart of stone, our hard, unimpressionable heart that does not respond to Him, that's hardened to Him. He takes it out. The core of who we are, He transforms it into one that's flesh-like, that's moldable and shapeable, that will be conformed to His likeness and image. And not only that, He gives us His Holy Spirit. Um, That's how I always tell my testimony because that's what happens to all of us. I just happen to have this... uh, very clear picture in my own life. The contrast is great. The contrast is that great in all of our lives, but God has just allowed me to see it in in mine. Um, Well, it turns out that the whole backdrop that John Sartell painted for his messages for the retreat, the fact that we live in a debauched culture, but that God has caused us to be born again by the Spirit of God... And we have other worldly resources empowered by the Holy Spirit of God with which to reach the world for Christ. So not only did God orchestrate all of the events leading up to this retreat in His time, but He orchestrated all of the details of the retreat down to the very last thing. And I'm not sure that I've ever spoken to a group of people that were more primed to hear my story than the men that I told how God brought me to himself yesterday at the retreat. Um, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Isn't that something? It is. He's always doing that. The reality for us is, uh, you know, we don't only trust God eternal, for our eternal salvation in Christ but we trust him in the day-to-day moments of our life here on earth. And um, the reality for all of us is that the moments when we can look back like this and see how it all fits together, they're really few and far between. We don't get these opportunities very often. But he gives us these glimpses either through your own life or through someone else's life. He gives us these glimpses of his perfect wisdom, his perfect providence. It really is a glimpse of his perfect care and concern for the details of our lives. You know, if you're like me, you can tend to worry about things. Uh, I tend to worry about a lot of things. Maybe I don't come off that way immediately. It's not something I'm proud of. In fact, I would tell you that it's sin that I hope that, God will uproot from me. It amounts to not believing God at His Word. But, He's strengthening my faith. He's strengthening my faith day by day. He strengthens my faith when I'm in the fog and I'm in, in the midst of trial and suffering. He strengthens my faith when He provides relief on a spiritual sunny day like, like yesterday, where, where He allows me to glimpse into the perfection of, of His providential care for us. He cares about us. He really cares about every detail. Trust Him. Entrust yourself to Him over and over and over again. Make plans. Entrust your plans to Him over and over and over again. And know that though you make the plans, God establishes your steps. That word establishes... Um, It's used a lot of times in context of covenant in the Old Testament. When God uh, makes a covenant, he comes and establishes a covenant or confirms a covenant with someone. The idea is that it's set in stone. It's unbreakable. So we make plans. He redirects us. He turns us every which way. At times we wonder, is this thing happening? Are we going anywhere? Are we backwards? Are we upside down? Surely... It's not coming together. He's setting your feet in stone. He's establishing your steps um, in his perfect care for you and his perfect wisdom, in his perfect providence. you're a part of that. Your, your life is a part of that. The mundane details of your life are a part of that. I think about I was telling Tiffany recently I've, I've been particularly anxious about a few things over the last couple months and um, I reminded of Jesus says, you know, the grass of the field, the lilies of the field, they don't toil and spin. Um, and how much more does God care for us? And I toil and spin all the time. I mean, I'm always toiling and spinning. And, you know, it's this constant. It's the way God brings me closer to him. It's like my prayers have to get shorter and just help me. I believe you. I trust you. Please give me peace, you know. But it's this constant in trusting yourself to him. The lilies of the field, they don't toil and spin. How much more does he care for you? He's your father in heaven. You know, we think about the future of our children, um, our desires for children. Uh, those can be painful things. He's establishing our steps. He, We're making plans. We're moving forward. He's establishing our steps in his perfect time. You think about how do I raise my kids in a godly way when I've got so much besetting sin and I can't seem to get it right and this world is crazy and you name it. You make plans based on convictions in God's word. You execute your plans and you trust that God is establishing your steps. What about jobs? What am I supposed to do? How, how do I know when it's time to go or come. What? Where do you want me? It, aren't there days of fog more than there are days of clear? Entrust yourself to God. Entrust your plans to God. Make plans. Execute your plans. He's establishing your steps. Um, you know, what we want is clarity. And the reality is, this clarity has come on the Heals of all of this for me. He did not give me clarity moving into this. He gave me clarity looking back on this. And I think there's a lot of insight there that um, that's kind of the way it works. We get to look back and behold the majesty, the wonder, the perfection, the beauty, the, the wisdom, the providence of God. And on the journey, we trust. On the journey... We entrust ourselves. And um, one day in his time, he'll give you a glimpse into what he's been up to. But those days are few and far between. I would just end by saying he is, he is good. He's good. That's, that is the, the root of all of the hope that we have is that God is good. Th- this world is crazy. We're sinful. In some way sin and the corruption and destruction in this world is all a part of his sovereign good perfect plan in ways that are beyond me that i cannot comprehend he's not absent in your suffering he's overseeing it he's guiding you through it he's with you in it he's not standing by hoping you get it right he he is directing and establishing your steps and we have to remember that he's good that he cares uh, that he loves you with an everlasting love, as as Jim andul always says, and I love to hear him say it he loves you with an everlasting love he 'll never let you go uh, let 's pray <clears throat> Father, how marvelous, how wise, how great, how infinite um, to contemplate your your saving plan, and uh, also Lord, we would say your Every day, directing our steps, establishing our steps, confirming our steps, cementing our steps. If we're honest, we feel uh, like we're in a whirlwind a lot of times. And yet, Lord, it is comforting to know that we are chained to the rock and that you will not let us go. That you go before us and behind us and beside us. And um, give us the freedom to make plans to execute plans and to trust you uh in 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 the on the journey the reality is that it is foggy a lot of days a lot of days we have a muddy windshield and uh we don't know where you're taking us and it's scary and um a lot of times we feel that you're not safe because frankly you're not um but, Lord, we trust that you're good. We, we know deep within our souls that you're good, and it's our only hope. You loved us so much that you sent your Son for us, and you've paid for all of our sins, and, and you care for us as our Father in heaven. You have all the resources of heaven, and you're guiding and directing our steps. Give us faith, Lord. We do believe. Help our unbelief. Strengthen our faith. Um, confirm our steps. We thank you for this glimpse into your hand at work, and we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.